Thank you for tuning in to Our Black Voices Matter. We can't remain silent. We must speak up. So let the conversation begin. I am Mike Lake for the Poor Podcast here on behalf of Shift Division Media. I'd like to thank Keith Snyder for allowing me to speak today on the, on the subject at hand uh, on this Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. Thanks, man. Uh, he wanted me to speak about racial inequality, racial injustice, and trauma in the black community. Uh, first and foremost, if you couldn't tell by the sound of my voice, I am a black male. Um, I guess age doesn't matter, but born in the 80s, so to give you a roundabout um, idea of some of the issues that I had to deal with in the time, I'd imagine the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that I grew up. I'm also a parent of a 15-year-old, a teenager. And um, I'll just start with this. Racial inequality, for those who don't know, is essentially where you have a lopsided setup, if you will, where, I mean, it's right there in the word, inequality. Things are not equal based on race. And in this country, what you have is a situation where um, it seems, based on the history of this country, slavery leading to Jim Crow leading to current, that things are unequal. But I'll be more specific how it affects, I guess, me and my day-to-day life. Um, You can see it in the living situations you can see it in the schools, you can see it in, in healthcare, and most notably and most current in the police and jail systems, police enforcement and, and jail. Um, I live in Tampa, uh, not particularly too deep in the south, if you will, quote unquote, although geographically deep in the south, but the uh, general makeup of my city is black, Hispanic, and whites. Whites being the majority, blacks and Hispanics coming up behind that. And, um, I mean, just, I'll start with the first, the living situations. You can see it in the neighborhoods. I grew up in a neighborhood called West Tampa. West Tampa is primarily Cuban and black. That's where projects used to be located. Uh, and I say used to be because of gentrification. They, they torn them down and they moved those people to the outskirts of the city. Um, for those who are familiar, you know, the whole thing about uh, putting us in the urban areas and the whole white flight. Now it's flipping. You have people coming back to the urban areas in my city and they're moving the lower income or impoverished uh, community out. That's, I mean, there's no other way for me to really explain that other than an unequal situation. It's not fair that the these situations were set up to make people money in the long run, and now you see that gentrification coming back. I mean, it's good for the city, but it's not really good racially speaking on the day-to-day. Uh, within the schools, I also grew up in the same thing, West Tampa, West Tampa Elementary, Ultimately graduated from Blake High School right in the heart of downtown. Uh, used to be surrounded by warehouses. Used to be, like I said, the projects was on one side. You had warehouses and nonsense on the other side. And now that things are changing, it's starting to look a little more clean, a little more well-kept. It's getting a little bit more expensive. And, uh, you know, that's further evidence of the inequalities in, in my city, the racial inequalities. That school might be counter to this point 
because that school was half liberal arts kids, which are like the local kids from across the street, and kids bus from middle class areas like where I lived. And then the other half was the fine arts students who were auditioned to come there for various programs and whatnot. But that aside, that was kind of like an island in the middle of a bunch of other racial inequalities. Uh, the healthcare system. It, there's so many facts out there. You can Google it if you will. Talking about uh, the insured versus uninsured. You talk about situations of malnutrition. You talk about food deserts. Uh, all those types of things. And then within the police and the jail system, if it isn't obvious by what, you know, the George Flora video or the uh, Rashad, I forget his last name, I'm sorry, the guy from Atlanta at the Wendy shooting, if it isn't evident by the current times and the marches and the protests, that's just been something that's been on us since day one. Um, and, the, and the unfair jail sentences, uh, unfair sentencing, if you will, when it comes to people of equal, you know, two different races committing equal crimes, getting two different sentences. So I'll just move on. Uh, injustice occurs when you have a situation where th these, even in the situations where the um, system isn't designed against you racially, that due to some type of unseen privilege or benefit to the other race, which I'll just say the majority race, which is whites, um, those inequalities happen when when uh, the punishment is levied unfairly. So you have injustice, uh, the opposite of justice. What I would say about that, uh, again, doubling back on lopsided sentencing, two people commit the same crime, one gets less than the other. Uh, recently I just saw a news report of a guy who was convicted of, uh, an officer who was convicted of sexual battery, I believe, six counts of sexual battery, won't serve any time in prison and only probation. That kind of stuff where you see, you know, I know people in jail for selling drugs non-violently, and this officer of the law who committed six heinous crimes in uniform won't serve any time and here you got somebody else over here serving many years, oftentimes double digits, over, over what you would call drugs. I mean, weed sales, if you will, or more. Um... There's no other really other way to put it. Injustice really occurs mostly related to the justice system. Um, I mean, you can find it elsewhere in the job place. You can find it in schooling, admittance, and other stuff like that. But there's not really any way to prove it as definitively as it is in the justice system. Another way that we see injustice is through the uh, voting system. Gerrymandering, re rezoning of, of areas to benefit certain groups within the, within the voting uh, government and also disenfranchisement, making it harder for blacks to vote. That's something that's been going on since we had the right to vote. But uh, we've seen it as recently here as in Georgia, where they, uh, you know, in certain uh, polling districts, you see long lines, hours worth of lines for people to vote. Whereas, and this is just reported by their news, I didn't fact check this myself, but in the wider sides of town, it was a lot easier, more streamlined situation. So, um, that's justice in a nutshell, and and then the biggest thing I guess that would relate to your to your pod and probably be the most that you would use for for your uh, for your episode here is the trauma that it causes in the black community. And I can only I mean I can I don't have to only speak for myself, but I will only speak for myself. I'm sure you have other other people uh, speaking for themselves too. So I'll just say it like this. You, as a black man, you wake up day to day, you watch the news, you see 
these events, you see, you hear the stories, you see the fallout. You take that stuff on, whether you realize it or not, it's a certain level of latent stress. Um, I believe they liken it similar to living in a war zone or being in a war yourself. You see death, you see murder, or what you would call murder. You see, um, you just see a situation where it's like life or death at a point for for people, like in, like I said, to a war zone. Um, innocent bystanders, people not doing anything. Sometimes people doing things. Uh, even when they report on stuff like the Chicago Memorial Day killings, where it's like forty-two people on one weekend get shot or murdered. Um, all that stuff just kind of piles on. You feel it. Whether you realize it or not. Sometimes it comes out in weird ways. Um, I, I told my friends last week I felt a disturbance in my energy. And I, I said it on my pod too. Where I could, like some days I'm willing to discuss, debate, engage. Other days I don't, I'm, I'm not with it. And I'm sure that is some form of PTSD or, or it could be expressed as some, some level of, um, not necessarily anxiety, but stress. But then it starts to come out in anxiety type ways where... Like, my son is active. It's summertime. He rides his bike. He plays sports. He goes to the park. He's trying to date girls, go to the movies. A lot of that stuff has him out in the general public. And rather, you know, I feel that personal, I, I still, as a parent, have to feel it, too. Because my child is one of the people that seem to be deemed as threatening. Um, I know him. He's not very threatening at all. Very uh, meek sheepish kind of kid um, except when he with his friends but you know you never know you don't want him to encounter police you don't want him to encounter a situation where he ends up dying or dead or hurt or harmed or you know out here with these Karens calling the cops on people for doing regular stuff I just don't want my son to be in that type of situation so I guess I do have a latent anxiety as a parent where you know my son asks, I'm on top of everywhere he goes a lot more than say my parents might have been where you going, who you with, when you coming back. I set a time frame that's reasonable, so he's not lingering, loitering, or anything weird like that. You know, he has a curfew deadline of, de- of, of nightfall, like a lot of us did, and I adhere to that, and I make sure he's either at my house or in someone else's house, like out of friends, by that time. So you, 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 you have a situation where, for the most part, I'm okay in my day-to-day life. I have a job, thank God I'm working, my health is, is majorly okay. And I don't really think that I suffer from anxiety, but then you, due to racial injustice and racial inequality, have a situation where it's being pressed upon me, where that trauma, that latent trauma, those stresses, those anxieties sit with you from, you know, day to day and they pile on and accumulative. And, um, you know, some days it's tougher than others. Some days you just want to cry out. Some days you're mad. Some days you want to ride, whatever that means, and go get whoever needs to be gotten. You know, whatever Confederate flag person out there, and I uh, hesitated to curse there because I don't know what what the parameters of your pot is, but yeah, man, it's a lot. It's um, and trauma trauma manifests in many ways. You you don't know or see, and and this is something that we as a black community have to talk about. Uh, one, our our resistance to the medical profession, going to the doctor, um, taking care of ourselves the right way. Also, possibly seeing a therapist without feeling weird about that because of how we judge it. And then, you know, talking with your kids, talking with your spouses. To, uh, just just being, and, you know, even like me and my homies last week, 
nine of us group chat just had it out we were just just chatted up and talking and building and doing what we can to like provide info and comfort and and suggestions on how to deal with people in this in this era of heightened trauma um but I, i'll just say it like that uh for those who don't know who may be listening and just came here for some type of insight on anxiety um yeah man it's it's not always chemical and it's not always just in your head sometimes it's external and, and based on race based on these racial inequalities that we face day to day and uh, nationwide and sometimes outside of our nation in other black countries like um, you know the island countries Caribbean Africa whatever and then you have those injustices where it's just a gut punch where we know racism still alive but it's real different when you see it and it's actually provable and it's still nothing being done about it ultimately leads to trauma and um, I hope, you know, maybe listening to me, somebody out there who didn't know could be informed and somebody who uh, did know and maybe didn't recognize it within themselves can, can hear, yeah, we, we feel it too, I feel it too. And um, if you need to talk, you know, people like Keith and myself, you know, hopefully as podcasters could be an outlet or, or, or receive a lightning rod, you know, to, for information, but also a listening ear. I'm Mike Lake again with the Poor Podcast on behalf of Shit Division Media. Thank you again, Keith, and the Anxiety About Anxiety Pod.